the gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. The message today comes to us from our first reading, the reading from Genesis chapter 3. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus, amen. We live in a cursed world. Some days you might feel the weight of that curse more heavily than others. But the reality of our situation remains. We keep hearing news of discord between nations, news of volcanic eruptions or other natural disasters, news of violence and crime, news of people dying. It'd be nice if you could just shut off all those reports, shut out the problems of the world. But that wouldn't fix much, if anything, would it? Because even without all the news out there, we'd still keep on seeing and feeling what it's like to live in a cursed world. Our bodies break down. Our relationships grind and strain. Our joys are fleeting and short-lived. The symptoms of the curse keep coming back. Now I'll understand if you think that We live in a cursed world is not the most encouraging opening for a sermon. I agree. It's not good news. But it's the truth. There's a reason for all this brokenness, though. The cause of all this discord is the fact that the world is not as it was meant to be. You and I are not as we were meant to be. And ultimately, it's all our own doing. Today's reading from Genesis chapter 3 picks up right after the account of what we know as the fall. After Moses records God's creation of the world and mankind, he sets the stage for the whole rest of the scriptures. The world was good. Perfect. In fact, God made the world, God made humanity perfect. At some point after that, though, our first parents doubted God's grace. They listened to the deceiver who wanted them to question God's loving kindness. They decided to trust themselves over and above God's word. And their distrust of the creator who had given them and continued to give them everything, including life itself. By that distrust, the perfect world became a cursed world. They may have heard the word sin used in a lot of different ways. But the nature of sin is ultimately rooted in doubting God's grace. That doubt is at work in each of us, calling us to trust ourselves over and above God and his design for life. Look at what happens when we do that. Sin broke the world. 
In Genesis 3, 7, the verse right before our text today, we hear that once Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that God warned them against, they knew they were naked. The first thing they did, they sewed fig leaves together to make clothes for themselves. Sin brought separation. It brought shame into human relationships. Sin brought isolation and division into what had been a perfect union between man and woman. But that wasn't the end of it. As today's reading picks up, we hear that God is walking in his creation, probably in the cool of the evening, spending time with his people. So where are Adam and Eve? Trying to hide from God? Like that's even possible. But that, that is the greatest consequence of sin. As certain now as it was all those years ago, sin brings separation between humanity and God. As it must. God is holy. Because of sin, you and I, we are not. Because of sin, our world is broken. We live in a cursed world. And it is a self-inflicted curse. Even though our first parents doubted God's grace in the distant past, that same doubt still is at work in each of us today. So let's put it another way. We are all dupes. Eve gets right to the heart of it when she explains to the Lord what happened. The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Deceived. In the Hebrew language, that word conveys more than simply being tricked. It's more like saying, he offered me a false hope, or he cheated me. The serpent, who the rest of the scriptures identify as Satan, offered humanity the chance to be like God, to know good and evil. But people could only know evil by being separated from God, by being separated from the one who is the source of all good. Eve was deceived, tricked, cheated. And we're right there with her. We seek to follow our own human will, doubting God's goodness. Adam and Eve deserved God's righteous judgment. And in our sin, we do too. But look, what is the first thing that God declares to his people after humanity's fall into sin, after they're doubting his grace? God deals with the cheater. God steps forward to promise a Savior who will bring victory over our sin. In Genesis 3.15, a verse that has been called the Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel, we see God's promise to Adam and Eve and all their children, the assurance that they will be delivered, even before God relates to them the consequences of their sin. We deserve judgment. 
Instead, God provides a savior. Sin brings separation. Our savior brings us together. Jesus, the long-promised Messiah, would go to his death on the cross as Satan strikes his head, or strikes his heel. But as the innocent lamb of God who trusted his father's loving kindness above his own human will to live, Jesus would take all of our sin, take all of our separation from God into himself and onto the cross, into death with him. And he would rise on Easter morning to strike the serpent's head, to kill its power over us. As he relates in our gospel reading from Mark 3 this morning, Jesus himself is the one who would bind Satan, the strong man of this world. And Jesus would plunder his house. During his earthly ministry, Jesus cast out demons, giving a sign of his authority over the powers that would hold humanity captive. God has come. And he would deal with the ultimate consequence of our self-inflicted curse. He has come and made us to be family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We still live in a cursed world. Sin still pulls us apart and separates us one from another. In this past week alone, we have heard news of a couple of high-profile suicides in our world. People from all walks of life contend with feelings of isolation and shame. Satan is still at work calling people to doubt God's grace, to doubt his loving kindness, seeking to overwhelm us with despair. But Jesus does not allow Satan to have the last word. Christ brings us together and blesses us with fellowship. This weekend, we celebrate this blessing as we welcome new members into our congregation, giving thanks to God for their presence among us and their service with us. God gives you these people around you. He gives you this blessing as a reminder and an instrument of his loving kindness for you, of his care for you. Make use of this blessing of fellowship. If you are contending with thoughts of suicide and isolation, speak out to the people God has put here beside you. You are not alone. And if you are not contending with such thoughts, make sure that your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus know that they can come to you in their times of need or despair to experience the love that God has for them in Christ. We live in a world that is cursed by our own doing. But you are blessed. Blessed by God's grace in Christ. And that blessing is greater than any curse. Amen.
As God's people in Christ, we join in singing our hymn for this day found in the green hymnal, the Lutheran book of worship, God of grace and God of glory. Please rise as we sing together. 